There is literally not a memorable quote in this movie to start this intro from. And you're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, local comedian, and I've been actually sent back to Earth by God to see if one intrepid film critic and one local comedian can make fun of this movie just enough to save the world. With me, as always, is that intrepid film critic, Daniel Bards. Hi, everybody. On this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them using our unique system. The system is as follows. Run-of-the-mill bad film, we rate it a dare. The double dare rating goes to those truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare. The hallowed, beloved, ordained by... Angel Scatman Crothers <laughs> reverse dare for those despised movies that are actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we're reviewing John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John as mismatched, perfectly matched lovers in the 1983 Grenade, Two of a Kind. This movie came to us dared by Darcy. My beautiful, beautiful wife. Her dare goes as such. It's my favorite time of the year, Travoltember. And what better way to celebrate than with a cinema classic where Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta dance and sing in the halls of high school. Wait, 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 wait. Not that one. This classic is the one where they have matching mullet haircuts, where they wear ridiculously large shoulder pads, cyborg sunglasses, and fake mustaches. (laughs) Please enjoy Two of a Kind. You are welcome. The IMDb synopsis, which does not stand for I'm motherfucking Darcy Barnes, (laughs) When God decides to destroy Earth, four angels aim to redeem mankind through a young man and woman with their own troubles. Some serious troubles. (laughs) Troubled is really the word for it. Yes, this week's film is two of a kind. No punctuation in the title. Written and directed by John Hersfeld. This film reunites Grease stars John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Also features Scatman Crothers. Charles Durning, Oscar winner Beatrice Strait, Oliver Reed, Ernie Hudson, and Gene Hackman as the voice of the God. Heck of a cast, right? Heck of a cast. That is an early 80s cast if there ever was one. <laughs> Wasted. This film came at a very pivotal time in Travolta's career. Five years earlier, he's on the top of the world. He stars in two of the biggest fucking hits ever, Saturday Night Fever, and then even bigger than that, Grease. Follow those, however... So that's the top of the parabola. Now we're on the sinking end, okay? Follow that with a little movie called Moment by Moment, episode 100. Check it out. And while his next movie, Urban Cowboy, did fine, uh, 1981's Blowout died at the box office, despite being literally one of the best films ever made. I was going to say, that's a good fucking movie. Died at the box office. Did absolutely nothing. Earlier in 1983, now we're in 83, earlier in the year, Travolta went back to the Tony Monero well with the DOA sequel Staying Alive, and then followed it by reuniting with his co-star from Greece, Olivia Newton-John. The dude needed a hit. And he was looking for one in the stuff that worked five years ago. He wasn't looking for the new hit. He tried that. We Mm -hmm. we tried that with Blowout. We tried the the new Travolta. No, no, No sale there. So let's go back to what worked five years ago. And you know what? It didn't work. <laughs> uh, as for Newton John, her music career was still very hot, but the only other film she made between these two vehicles with Travolta was Xanadu, a notorious bomb in its own right. Can't believe we've never done Xanadu. I know. 
Two of a Kind was released December 16, 1983, to widespread derision. It grossed $23 million, which is fine, uh, against a $14 million budget. Not a bomb, but not a hit. Uh, release of the film was actually delayed when Newton John's song Twist of Fate became a top 10 hit, so they could insert the song into the film several more times. That song plays like four <laughs> times in the movie. Uh, that was the last of her 15 top 10 hits. Uh, so the soundtrack was a success, but the movie not so much. Critics roasted it. It has an 18 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5 on Metacritic, and it was nominated for five Razzie Awards, including Worst Picture, which it lost to The Lonely Lady with Pia Zadora. Todd McCarthy of Variety called it an embarrassment of the first order and a bargain basement job. Gene Siskel gave a more positive, albeit perplexing and honestly somewhat troubling review, writing, quote, Whenever Newton John and Travolta are on screen together, two of a kind flashes with a spark of entertainment, and you want to tell them to get up and go to another film where they can have a long talk or make-out scene together. Wow. Corky, there is a sort of pseudo sex scene in this movie and spoiler alert it's nauseating yeah. i i was i was um physically ill watching yeah. it and and listening to it it was uh, quite upsetting i i'm pretty sure you hated this movie as much as i did but let me ask you this would more long talks or makeout scenes have redeemed this film <laughs> I kudos to Siskel, man. I think we need more film critics who just straight perv out their reviews. You know, like I, I didn't like this movie, to town. But, but I would like to watch these two pretty people lick each other's tonsils. That would be, I would enjoy that. Maybe uh, more other movies where they can talk <laughs> that leads to some kind of penetration. I would enjoy that. <laughs> That's oh, hilarious. No, way. I hate it. Oh, I fucking hated this movie. Yeah, yeah. The this movie is bored of itself. Mm-hmm. Like every take, every scene, it goes. It's just the most lackluster, limp. Any kind of direction, acting, action. It's the worst choices all throughout. Yeah. When actually it was fourteen million in nineteen eighty two that it was being made. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. This movie had like the production values of Rabbit Test. <laughs> yeah, you, I guess all the money went to the stars because yeah, it, talk about it, uh, not, it not being on screen. Yeah, it's it, this movie is really really bad. It, it's a it's a total trifle, but it's never entertaining. You, you know, like no. it's it's embarrassing for everyone involved. Obviously the movie's just so ugly that anyone who worked on a technical aspect of the movie should just be humiliated. But there's really good actors in this cast. Even if Travolta and Olivia Newton-John aren't very good, you got great, like, okay, Charles Durning. When does Charles Durning give a bad performance? Well, he does here. He does yeah. here. When is Scatman Crothers boring? Never. Well, here. Even Gene Hackman, as the voice of God, phones it in. I think he literally phoned it in. Literally phoned it in. I think he got on a phone in his hotel suite and was like, all right, let's knock this puppy out. Like, <laughs> like, we're doing this. Come on. I'm hitting the bar by three today. <laughs> like, I've given you 30 minutes to record all my lights. Yeah, this movie, and it's it's bizarre. It has all this cornball humor, but then something really strange and dark will happen, and the movie has no idea what to do with that bizarre tonal shift that is happening. So what happens? It just doesn't shift tones. Yeah. The dark and the cornball are happening at the same tone somehow. Like, it's just wall-to-wall piffle. And as far as, like, the, the chemistry between the leads, I think you can tell that Travolta and Newton-John have chemistry they they seem to really like each other but that chemistry doesn't actually work 
for this story or these characters who are supposed to begin wildly at odds. Yeah. They fall for each other so quickly and so easily, and that's what the entire fate of humanity depends on. They're not mismatched lovers. They're matched. Right. That's a good match. <laughs> it's yeah. a fine match. They even have the same fucking haircut. <laughs> It's operating at dark and light, fluffy romance at the same time, and it never works. No. Not one aspect of this film no. works. It's ugly chaos from beginning to end, and it's just all nonsense. It's nonsense. Her butt in tight jeans is the only thing that worked for me. And there's precious little of that. <laughs> we have the same fucking notes, man. <laughs> so like, nice butt, but right? god damn, why did I have to watch this awful movie to get to three shots of her butt? Um, yeah, it's a movie forgotten by time, and I myself look forward to forgetting it. So should we get into it? Let's go, buddy. The quicker we do this, the quicker I forget that this ever happened, and I can just you know numb myself with uh, whatever I need to numb myself with. All right. And now, our feature presentation. Two of a kind. That's this week's movie. Hallelujah. Ha. So in case you thought this movie was imaginative, right off the bat, <laughs> let's get that idea out of your head. Hallelujah, Chorus. We're flying through the, cr- the clouds, and suddenly we are in the ugliest heaven. Oh, my God. That has ever... Put, like, heaven is supposed to be this beautiful, beatific place where everyone's at peace, and it's everything's so lovely. It is ugly. It's like someone barfed up, like, unicorn cotton candy. It's just it- like pink and gross and smeary it's just disgusting when you get on your knees and pray to your god do you think of heaven as a photo negative because that's what heaven is according to this movie yes that's what it looks like so again again right away this movie is just chaos you're not located in anything it's just nonsense where angels are playing golf in heaven same with robert test it's of that time where stereotypes are funny where it's yes. just, you know, a fat slovenly guy with a cabbie hat. That's Charles Durning. A matronly librarian woman. That's Beatrice Wright. Uh, uh, a black man with, you know, a raspy voice. And then a Mexican. And then, like, that's the four angels that we have. Yes, a Mexican garbage man who's always eating something. Like, yep, he's carrying and- chicken around through most of this movie. Yeah, he- yes, right? So this is uh, Charles Durning, Beatrice Strait, Scatman Crothers, and Castello Huera. Um, as the four angels and they're bickering yep uh bickering and bantering in this movie it's um, yeah you said it there's nothing memorable about it it's just it's just i can't even remember any of the banter but it was all bad so these angels are sitting around in heaven but oh god returns god with the voice of gene hackman he was Mm -hmm. away for like 25 years he's come back to like see the world in a shambles uh at one point he sneezes a chew well actually he doesn't sneeze he just says a chew yeah right phoning it in to which Scatman Crother says, bless yourself. This is the humor. Yep. This is the humor that you're going to get in this movie for the next 87 minutes. I love that Gene Hackman said achoo like he was just reading achoo. the script. Achoo. He was just like, cough, cough, sniffle, sniffle. <laughs> it's like, uh, Gene, you're reading the uh, screen direction. <laughs> next page. <laughs> so God is frustrated with the state of the world, and he wants to start over yeah the whole new flood the angels argue no no there's goodness left in the world he says where so they said they find a typical man a typical man to make their point and who is their typical man it's john travolta with feathered hair 
blue wraparound cyborg sunglasses pacing in front of the American Museum of Natural History Science. He's doing that Travolta pace yeah. where it looks like he's dancing. Like, yeah, he's really shifty. He's yes, really shifting around. <laughs> I love that Travolta pace, man. <laughs> so uh, this is their idea of a typical man, which can mean only one thing. We're all doomed. So, <laughs> oh, oh, it was a good run. We had a good run. But uh, the world's over. Goodbye. Uh, so this uh, Travolta, this is Zach Mellon. Zach Mellon. Uh, he's waiting outside the American Museum of Natural History. He's accosted by a loan shark and his uh, very uh, like a short loan shark and his tall flunky. So we're doing a short tall thing. Sure. And uh, the the short loan shark, the boss, is always like angry and yelling, and he says, "I'm gonna take your ears. I'm gonna cut your ears off." So this is his old bit: is taking people's ears. Zach, so he owes money to this loan shark. We find out that he is like an amateur inventor, a la the dad from Gremlins. Like these oh, are the kind yeah. of stuff. This is the kind of stuff that he comes up with inventions that are stupid and loud and seemingly just pointless. Yes, obviously. Like, oh yeah, wouldn't every house want this really loud thing that just goes bang, 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 so they can like touchless feed their pets? No, that's not worth it. That's not worth like living in that nightmare. And he's even surprised when they work. Oh, yes. Yeah. He, he seems to know he's a bad inventor, and yet also, of course, is like butthurt anytime anyone has anything negative to say to him. Like every, I mean, every man, but especially in these 80s movies. My yeah. God. The entitlement to this guy. So he even, <laughs> he like, he walks through his apartment, he turns on the TV, and he sits down, but he's sitting at an angle where he's like <laughs> diagonally facing away from the TV, <laughs> and then turns and looks at the TV. I'm like, does Travolta think this is how people actually watch TV? Like, is he so disconnected that he's yeah. like, they said, watch TV. And he's like, okay. No, wait, the TV's behind you. John, John, you can't see it. He, he then <laughs> turns and grabs a photo from off the top of the TV oh, and God. caresses it. The meaningful photo. Oh, I like to imagine that he is David Winters' son from Dancing It's On. And they just look at each other's photos. Like, they don't know that they can just call each other. That's amazing. <laughs> um, we also get a Journey song here. So, um, Asks the Lonely, which now is, like, you know, a pretty well-known classic right. Journey song, but actually was never on an album. This is, like, the first album that the song was actually on. It was a B-side. So, again, the soundtrack is, like, for 1983. For 1983. Pushing all the buttons here, you know. Um, so... Zach, we see him, he's holding a gun. It doesn't have any bullets in it. But next scene, he walks into a bank wearing a long blonde wig, a fake mustache, and a jeans jacket. Yep. Because he wants to be inconspicuous. Sure. <laughs> I'm always reminded of that movie The Saint with Val Kilmer where he was a master of disguise who right. always ended up looking like Val Kilmer. Like, this is exactly this. You would see that go, that's John fucking Travolta in a blonde wig. That's who that that's is. It. No shit. At the very least, he's going to draw a glance or two when he walks yeah. into the building, right? Because he like, does not walk in smoothly. He walks in very no. oddly, creepily, surreptitiously. Uh, dar eyes darting around, you know, he's like kind of hunched shoulders. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, he's, he's obviously up to no good. So he goes up to the bank teller, uh, played by Olivia Newton-John. This is Debbie Wilder. No, this is one well, thing I noticed. Yeah. You saw this? No, Her name ahead. tag at the bank says Debbie Brennan. 
for the rest of the movie, she's referred to as Debbie Wilder. Now, they don't call this out, but once we learn her character, perhaps she was using a pseudonym. Well, she was bank. an actress. Yeah. So that might have been her real name and the other's her stage name. We never find that out, but also, like, this movie is so sloppy and how it, it uses <laughs> time and space. And I mean, it's just, they buried that part, but they didn't take care of like the barest minimum of plot. <laughs> so he has a gun in a bag. Uh, he sticks her up, asks for a very specific sum of money not, you know, fill, fill it with a hundred thousand or 50 or all the money you got is he wants like $13,823 and 14 cents or something like super, right. super specific. And he's like his, his mustache falls off. She's laughing at him while he's he's sticking her up. He's like obviously an amateur at this. Like he makes the guys from Dog Day Afternoon look like the team from Inception. Okay, like <laughs> he has no clue what he is doing robbing yeah. this bank. So this is like our meet cute bank holdup. Um, so after some flirting, she she gives him the bag, seemingly full closed bag, you know, seemingly full of money, and says, "I'm single." He's like kind of, you know, taken aback by that. But this is obviously a signal because another employee hears that, sounds the alarm. Travolta has to knock out a bank guard and runs away. So yeah. he's, he's able to get away. But, you know, we know that there was a robbery. So he gets back home, opens the bag. It's just blank slips of paper, blank slips of paper, blank slips of paper. Meanwhile, Debbie returns to her apartment. She says she got fired. Apparently, her bed is getting repossessed. Right. <laughs> but it turns out that she stole the money. She pulled a little double cross on him. She saw her opportunity, and she took it. So now she's got the 13000 in her apartment. We also right. meet her creepy landlord who says he caught a cold from her cat. <laughs> the creepy landlord is played by the guy who was in Serpico and Midnight Run and literally greases his way onto screen like this guy is lecherous uh jack kehoe is his name the actor yes but he's he's holding the cocktail it says he caught a cold from a cat see this is like what i'm talking about every joke every comedic take is just a slow death yeah it, it, oh really because there's just like what is the comedy like what's the comedy none of this is funny it's just, yeah. it's brutally brutally unfunny stuff He's so, he's one of the first of many men. No, probably not the first because John Travolta is probably the first, but he's one of many men that uh, disgustingly hits on Olivia Newton-John. She just has to fight off. So the loan shark goes to Zach's apartment. He actually throws his henchman through the door. <laughs> I actually thought that. Yeah, me too. I thought good. that was pretty good. It's good he's uh, like, how do I lock down the door? Like this. And he just throws him through the door. Uh, Jack runs out the window. He steals a cab. There's a big chase through old Times Square, pre-Giuliani Times Square. Right. They actually did some shooting in New York. Most of it shot on a back lot, and you really can tell. You can yeah. tell big time. The, the whole last sequence that is shot on a back lot is so shot on a back lot. Very it's, shot it, on a back lot. It's uh, really... They cool. had a boat for a day. They shot in <laughs> Times Square for two nights, and then the rest is on a back lot. <laughs> on a back lot. So there's this big chase. Uh, he steals a cab. Then he has to ditch the cab. He jumps on top of a van. We're still chasing. They cut him off. They cut the van. Uh, the loan sharks cut the van off. It crashes. Zach is launched 10,000 feet in the air. Yes. 10,000 feet. It's He's ridiculous. Like a, it's like a trebuchet was on top of that car, and it <laughs> flung him off. And crashes right on top of Debbie Wilder, killing them both. <laughs> 
Yes. Are you laughing yet? Are you laughing 15 yet? 15 long minutes into this movie, our two leads are dead. And you have a hope, like, credits? <laughs> no, no credits. Sorry. So we're back in heaven, and God's like, well, you, that, that didn't work out. <laughs> you fucked that up. <laughs> Not so good. So they kind of they make a bet with, with God, um, which is like, Zach is going to shape up. Yeah, this is their last-ditch attempt to save humanity. The angels want to save mankind. God's like, time for a flood, okay? So they make a deal saying, if they make a sacrifice for each other, then humanity can go on living. I won't you know, destroy the world and move everybody up to heaven. Sure. To which they're like, these two? Like, it's so crazy. It's yeah. so crazy. What would be crazy is if they lived on different parts of the world or something like that. They live in the same city. They've met each other. Like, they are clearly, like, fated to be each other. Like, he stuck her up and then landed on her. I know. This is New York City. This is not, like, some small town. Like, this, it's very unlikely that this happens, but it happens. So we also get the, the ticking clock. One week ticking clock. Yeah. Which, oh, boy. Um time in this movie it's as we see is just so contradictory things that seem to happen one day happen the next day or the same day or yesterday yeah because he also says that like uh first it was gonna be two days yeah can you give us a week it's like the movie really doesn't that doesn't matter i think everything does end up happening in probably two days it seems like two days or (laughs) several years it's really hard to say uh we now meet oliver reed as our dandy devil yeah Oliver Reed, even though he's a slovenly drunk in real life, he's just a, a very uh, suave drunk. Uh, he's a very whispery drunk. He's very whispery. He's got like, you know, very fitted suits and a cane and a mustache that's all twirled up and everything. Uh, the angels have also come to Earth. Uh, so Durning kind of confronts Oliver Reed. Reed seems to be want to play the antagonist here and make sure that these two don't get together. Because yeah. he wants to foil what he thinks is God's plan. Right, so if you break this down, the devil is the good guy. God is awful. He's going to kill humanity and get everybody back up there and start over again. The devil wants to prevent that from happening. We're rooting for the devil. See, but here's the thing, and this movie's so sloppy about it. He doesn't want that to happen, right? Because he, he, he thinks that he's doing something that the angels don't want him to do, and so that you know that's his job as the devil. He's the antagonist. What he doesn't understand, even though it is explained to him several times, he doesn't understand it until the movie needs him to understand right. it, which is that it means the end of him too, right? It means the end of all humanity, and all the all these people are going to go to heaven. They're not going to sort them out between heaven and hell. God's just going to take all of them to heaven. So he what he's doing at the start is completely antithetical to what he actually wants to do. He's, he's playing his part as the devil, but really until it's explained to him like the fourth time in the third act, he realizes, Oh wait, I really do want humanity to keep going. And to make that happen, I need to keep these two together. But for throughout the movie, for no reason whatsoever, he wants to keep them apart. So he's working against the angels here, even though he should be, well, this movie's fucking stupid, but basically, Shorthand. okay, basically, if you want to keep living, thank the devil. That's right. That's it. That's what you got to do. Sympathy for the devil. That's what it is. Exactly. He's been around for a long, long year. So, yeah, he, he basically wants in on this action. So we we rewind 
there's a lot of rewinding in this movie. Not, not in my house. There was no rewinding, but the nope. movie rewinds. Back to the start of the chase. So we're back to the start. We think we're going to – like it rewinds, like, and it shows everything. It rewinds like 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it takes a while. Yeah, just like, oh, my God, this bit's going on too long. So we get back to the start, and bus driver Scatman Crothers, bus driver Angel Scatman, basically cuts the car off. And so before the chase can really get going, boop, it's done. And we're on the next day. Next day. Yes. Maybe so bad at transitions. Debbie is buying all this furniture with her stolen money. She's just wasting this money on armoires <laughs> and a couch. She's just like, you're about to get thrown out of your fucking apartment. <laughs> yeah, your um, roommate doesn't have a job, right? Doesn't the roommate also not have a job? It's like nobody can afford this apartment. Yeah, how do you live here? So she was behind on her rent. Also, this is something we didn't mention when we introduced the landlord, which is she was behind on her rent, but with this money, she paid her rent paid all of her back rent, and paid next month's rent. So remember that later in the film when she says that she was evicted. Yeah, right? <laughs> Jesus <what>? Christ. <laughs> so it's just like, did anyone read the fucking script? All right, so uh, this furniture scene also features, and I didn't realize this until I saw the credits, and I did actually rewind it, uh, Can't, Kathy Bates. Oh, yeah? Very young Kathy Bates, what, like seven years before Misery. You don't actually see her face. You only see her... She's the wife of the furniture moving guy. You hear her, and you can tell it's Kathy Bates, but you never actually see her face. But yeah, Kathy Bates is in this movie. Um, so now we go to Debbie. She's an aspiring actress, apparently under the stage name Debbie Wilder. Uh, and she's in this acting class. It's like this method acting class, and the, the acting coach is giving her, you know, telling her, you know, how did you feel when this bank robber came in? Yeah. It's kind of calling her out for acting instead of being. But then she actually sees Travolta. She sees Zach just sitting in the back of her class, like creeping on her, right? Because right. he knows. It was in the paper. He knows. He f- he's figured it out. She must have stolen the money because, you know, sure, her picture's But did it, did it list her, what acting school she goes to? Did it say right. as, aspiring right. actress Debbie <laughs> right. Wilder at the Strasburg School in this right. address? She'll be there Wednesdays and Thursdays. Doing a monologue <laughs> where you surreptitiously show up. Right. This so, scene is so fucking bizarre because for this, some reason really? it's shot over the the what the who would be the director's shoulder. Yeah. So it gets him in a lot of the frame, and then watches Olivia Newton John go from laughing to pensive to then freaking the fuck out when she freaking sees freaking out big time, and she's like screaming on stage because she sees Travolta in the back of the room, and she's like, they all think she's acting, but she's like having a flat out panic attack there. And is like this is supposed to be funny. <laughs> this, this woman's reliving funny. a trauma. Like this is really upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> you know? but, but like she is upset hilarious. for one more scene. So I mean, they, yes. they kind of stuck with it. Yeah, um, she returns home, um, afraid that he's in the apartment. Her room, uh, her roommate, and her roommate's boyfriend kind of you know jokingly kind of clear the house you know no there's no there's no zach in here they leave yeah her roommate is a young angie bompensero from the sopranos before she before big pussy got whacked (laughs) and uh, she started putting money out on the street i knew she was so familiar looking oh wow okay so she returns home there's this like you know, like the scene in Alien where the cat, like, is, is a jump scare because the cat <laughs> was it Jones? Someone, someone, fastballs like <laughs> D- D- Dwight Gooden throws this cat into frame. It's just like it is hurled yeah. in the frame. Like this is animal action, not monitored by the ASPCA. Uh-uh. Like the ASPCA was like, what? What? We didn't monitor that. 
it's crazy how this cat is so violently thrown into the scene and it's supposed to be like oh a jump scare yeah jump scare he's not actually there but oh he is there and he's broken into her apartment this poor fucking woman like yeah okay she took the money and let him take the rap for it right right but this man now has stalked her uh, place of employment or, or you know her acting class, and now is in her home. Yeah, we're not on equal planes. Of no wrongdoing here. Like what she did was wrong. Uh, and God the and the angels are still like, yeah, let this go for a bit. We're, we'll see how this plays out. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> so she has every like okay, and again, remember how terrified she was when she saw him yeah. in her acting class. He's in her apartment. He broke into her apartment, waited for her roommates to leave, and then popped out. Threw her she cat out. She is not bothered by this D- at She all. is so flippant. She's so chill with this, and she's so chill the rest of the movie. So she also tells him, again, so sloppy. She, she gets mad at him. She, she says, they fired me today. When she got home yesterday, she said she got, like... That was yesterday, wasn't it? Like, I don't know what time is in I this think movie. she's just a pathological liar. <laughs> is yesterday today? I don't get it. So they have some, again, just the banter is just absolutely painful. He he leaves, <laughs> just leaves. And is, she says, hey, where's my doorknob? So he comes back. He's got the doorknob. She can't get it in. And he, he puts it on and he tells her, you've got to hold the nuts while you screw <laughs> I mean, is this guy a peach or what? I mean, and meanwhile, the creepy landlord is watching. So it's just like this. I mean, this is every bad Pornhub video open. Oh, right. This is just <laughs> terrible. So despite the stalking, despite the break-in, despite the disgusting come-ons, she's very intrigued by this She man. is, yeah. She's very intrigued. He leaves. She follows. She follows. She catches up like, hey, you want to hang? <laughs> you know what? She's like, like look. I got no job. You're here. I, I think I've been evicted. Um, and you just took the money that I stole. I'm going to hang out with you for a bit. Let's do this. So he shows her one of his sunglasses. So the blue sunglasses he was wearing earlier, this is an invention of his. And you think, okay, well, they, they do something or they block something. No, they're edible sunglasses. Yeah. So he eats the sunglasses. Why is that a good thing? Like why? Like even if it's delicious, she eats it and is like, "This is disgusting." If that was the best thing that you ever ate, why would making it sunglasses be good? Don't it, you need sunglasses? It, it could taste like a fucking Salisbury steak. It could taste like the best chocolate mousse. It sits <laughs> on your nose and cheek grease on a hot day because it's sunglasses. And then, then once you, you eat, eat them, it, like that, you don't have sunglasses sun anymore, locked, right? And these sunglasses, they actually have like a Z cut out of so it's all blue, but there's a spot where it's not blue. You're just gonna get a big red Z on your eyes. Like, was, again, that's not good. Those aren't good sunglasses. So yeah, these are his fucking dumb fucking inventions. Um, but yeah, she asked, "Do you want to go get some dinner at the Plaza Hotel?" Huh? What? What? <laughs> so okay. So they hail a cab. It's Beatrice Strait is the cab driver. So these angels, they keep showing up to kind of influence or push things one way or the other. Um, usually in driving cars or some sort of a vehicle. Um, so they go to the Plaza Hotel. They eat dinner. They talk about their lives. Yeah. Crazy that these two would ever like get together. <laughs> like it's a day after they held her up and they're on a date. 
He yeah. held her up. He got her fired. They're on a date. Like, this is going well. She's is, telling like, him about herself. Like, she takes him to a place where she's known. Right. She's acknowledging people, tells them a little about their past. They even make a little sex talk. Yes. Like, this is Just people. Like the angels have to feel pretty good about this point. <laughs> he says they need to fall hopelessly in love because uh, Durning, the devil, shows up. So Durning confronts him. Uh, they need to fall hopelessly in love. The devil, he gets a table. He summons the gangsters uh, who are after Zach to the hotel. And they see Zach and they go nuts. So they make the ears thread again. We're going to cut your ears off. And to her as well. Yeah. So they run. All this chaos ensues, and then the angels freeze, right? So this is where Durning kind of admonishes the devil, like, hey, what are you doing? It's like the second time he's tried to explain, really in your best interest, just to let these two do their fucking thing. Like, it's been a day. They're already pretty much in love. Like, yeah. We're, 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 we're on a roll here. But the devil's like, no, play, fast forward, and then they rewind. They'll fast forward, rewind, rewind, fast forward. This goes on for a long time. Meanwhile, there's all these uh, pseudo hijinks yeah, of like putting hands in blouses, putting hands on Ripping a woman's like dress off yeah. and like uh, falling on a dessert tray and all this other kind of stuff. It's just, it's, it's way over the top. It's not funny at all. So there's this whole fast forward and rewind fight, but then God intervenes. He says, stop it. And he makes it rain inside the restaurant. Then everybody's the rewinding's done, and this just chaotic scene in the restaurant happens where they're being chased, everyone's wet, everyone's slipping. There is a fucking pie, yeah, thrown in someone's face. I mean, this is where the money flies all out of the bag and everywhere. And then Oliver Reed, as the devil, just like does a little show tune, starts singing Rain by the Beatles. <laughs> he starts singing fucking Rain by the Beatles. <laughs> And I was just like, what is happening? And none of these people are sitting there going, why is it now raining yeah. inside? Why are the laws of nature and physics? Yeah, they're all just reacting. Not Money just like, is everywhere. I was not wet, and now I'm wet. Like, But it's like, oh, no, pies. Ridiculous. It's a real wild scene, man. It's a wild scene. All right. So I don't, I don't exactly know how they got separated, but now Debbie's back at her apartment alone, and Zach shows up soaking wet. Did she escape before the sprinklers came on? I didn't I exactly see. Like he carries her out. Yeah, he does. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So anyway, she's at her apartment, and he just shows up soaking wet, and tells her, "Don't ask any questions. I don't have any answers." Which I feel like was John Herzfeld's motto throughout the entire <laughs> process of making right. from script to final edit. I feel like every time someone came up to me, he's like, don't ask any questions. I don't have any answers. Why does he owe that money? Why doesn't he, his dad, why is he wistfully looking at the picture of his dad? You know, what? why is it so desperate that they have that money now? Yeah. Mm. Why did she spend all of that money on an armoire? <laughs> That was not a necessary purchase, but whatever. So now he's he's in her apartment, and she doesn't mind it so much, right? right? He he actually gets into her bed. He's shirtless in her bed. Crazy she's like, that these two would fall for each other. Like, she's like, hey, that date went pretty well. <laughs> it is so easy for these two to fall in love. It's just like, what kind of bet were you making, God? Come on. He looks pretty fucking good, though. I, I got to say, Judge Looking Volta's good. shirtless looks good right here. Looking good. And he says... Would you care to dance? So they dance, they banter, they kiss, they move it to the couch. 
it's kind of like should we shouldn't we this was really fucking gross to me yeah he, at one point <laughs> he's like just don't stop touching me <laughs> skin crawling i hated the uh she doesn't want him to go on because she's kind of tepid about should they right they keep saying make love too they don't uh-huh. they're not like fuck or anything like that they're yeah. like i don't know if we should make love tonight and it's like um He's like, well, I won't make you. And then, like, that gets her horny. Like, oh, she's yeah. like, oh, you won't force me to? Boom. Okay, no guys are like that. <laughs> no Let's do it then. It. It's so gross. And once they start gross. again, the yeah. roommates walk in. Oh, these roommates who all they do is leave and return. That's it. They That's are it, leaving man. and returning constantly. They just leave and then they come back like, hey, we're back. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Um. So yeah, they get interrupted. So they head out on a horse-drawn carriage ride in Central Park with carriage driver Scatman Crothers. So now he's driving the the horse the horse and carriage. This leads okay. So this is all happening at night, right? Yes, right. Now this leads directly into a truly just unbelievable montage of hijinks and various boat rides. Like, yes. It's it's set. This is like the second time I think that Twist of Fate has played in this movie. Maybe the third. So it's set to Twist of Fate. And if you watch the Twist of Fate music video, which I'll put it in the show notes, there's like scenes. Most of the scenes they show from the movie are from this sequence here, where they're just goofing around. They're goofing around. They flirt. They watch some fencing. There's fencing. Yep. He he does close up magic. They get their portraits drawn. They are on a ferry. They're on a tugboat. And finally, they're on a fucking clipper ship. They're okay. on a clipper ship. This is a 12-hour date. Because <laughs> right? tur- it starts in the day. And during tourist shit? Might be a 24-hour date because Could it be started a 24 the night hour? before. During tourist shit on boats, several boats, and big boats. Many boats. How do they afford this? They what? they lost all that money. They were boats both dead money. broke. <laughs> I don't get it. But now they're pretty much in love, right? Yep. But they head back to her apartment, and she gets a call on her answering machine. She got a call back for the big play Carnaby Street, but she missed her chance because she was out having hijinks and canoodling with Zach. So they're getting – they fight. So they start to fight. Cracks in the armor because she yeah. lost this big role in Carnaby Street, the big play that you know is a huge whatever. Uh, outside the apartment – who has led the loan sharks there but our dandy devil, Oliver Reed? Okay, so go back upstairs. They're still fighting. She says, This is where she says, You know, I got evicted because of you. And you're like, <laughs> what? what? How? You literally just yesterday or the day before or three years ago or 10 years from now, I don't know, time, you paid your rent a month in advance. Has you a month gone two by? Months. <laughs> like, a month hasn't happened. So. What? Uh, so eh, he goes to leave. Zach goes to leave, but boom, in, in come the loan sharks, right? And the more threats about the ears. We're going to take your ears. Uh, the little guy pulls out a gun, but the flunky turns the gun on his boss, and he allows them to escape because he liked Travolta's inventions. He liked his, his uh, doorbells. <laughs> so the flunky turns a, a gun on his boss. They escape, but the cops arrest Zach and Debbie outside the building because the devil led them to it. The devil is still trying to throw, you know, um, obstacles in the path of them getting together. So we meet cop Ernie Hudson. 
Ernie Hudson, the year before Ghostbusters came out. A year before everybody pretended like he wasn't one of the Ghostbusters. Do you remember that when, when we were kids? All the Ghostbusters advertising, it like cut oh, Ernie right. Hudson out of everything. Yeah. Where's Ernie? Where's Ernie? So uh, he's playing classic cop games, put them yep. in separate rooms, just turn against each other. Oh, you know, he's dropping the dime on you. No, she's dropping the dime on you. No, you know, you're not going to give him up. Uh, eventually the devil shares some information about a previous robbery that Zach committed that only the two of them, Zach and Debbie know about. So the cop shares this information. Oh, she fingered you for the, for the special effects robbery. Then Zach decides, no, I'm going to drop the dime on Debbie. I'm just going to spill my guts about Debbie. Here's all that happened. Debbie doesn't give him up though. Even when uh, the tape is played of Zach just, you know, spilling his guts and, and selling her down the river. She doesn't give him up, but she's in jail. And now that God is really set on destroying humanity, it's happening at midnight. It's inevitable. Next scene. We're in court, right? Is this the same? Like she got arrested, charged and put on trial in the same day. What kind of fucking, is this night court? Like, is this what? judge Harry Stone? <laughs> It reminded me of uh, of Ryan's Babe when they're right. the the events that happened the day before that woman kidnapped him. They're in the uh, the restaurant with the TV that's right on their table, <laughs> and there's a guy in an empty courthouse telling all the like spilling all the tea about uh, there was a guy who set up. They killed him. They the the girl's innocent. They found right. all this out. <laughs> Apparently, they ran through a trial. Yes. Uh, because why else is he reporting from court on all this? It's like, what the fuck? How yeah. is she in court? So her Kafkaesque trial, uh, it's a mistrial. It's a Kafkaesque mistrial. Yes. Because um, Durning stole the evidence. Angel Charles Durning stole this evidence. So she's off the hook. We're all good. She's let out, but she's pissed off at Zach. And so they've they split again. Now, for the third or fourth time, Charles Durning explains to the devil, hey... This means the end of all humanity. You don't get half of these souls or two thirds or a third or however many you thought you were getting. You get zero of them. They're all going to heaven and you're pretty much done. And then humanity is going to start over, which means no, no souls at all for like many millions of years. Right. And they finally is like, oh, 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 so I need to get them together. So uh, the people who tell the truth all the time, the good ones, <laughs> were telling the truth the whole time. Right. That wasn't a trick. Yeah. They're angels for God's sakes. Come on. Oh boy. So he finally is like, oh, he has his like come to Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so um next scene, Zach is riding up top with carriage driver scamming because they don't let you ride up top unless they're angels. Again, uh, how but- is he paying for anything? He has not worked. He hasn't oh he sold one pair of glasses, but I figure that paid for the date, right? Right, yeah. That's, that's about it. Yeah, he's paying for everything with these edible sunglasses. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is a heart. He's heart to heart. He's spilling his guts. And he actually has the driver drive him to Debbie's place of work. Wait, <laughs> she has another job already? <laughs> so, like, she got fired from her job as a bank teller. How does she he know? She also was working at the Plaza Hotel. He somehow knows that she's working at this random cafe in the middle of nowhere, well, in the middle of the city. 
the same day, she got this job the same day she was arrested for and acquitted of a <laughs> bank robbery. Her picture was in the paper. Like, not she, very high standards at this cafe for their employees. No background checks here. Don't you No, worry. and no reporters like, hey, you know that girl who just uh, had all that <laughs> got robbed and we put her picture in the paper? Turns out she robbed, nobody follows up. Right. <laughs> Be the biggest story in the fucking news. So she's this waitress at a cafe on a New York street that is just so obviously a studio backlot. It's not shot or designed well at all. They did not dress the set uh, or anything. Everything just looks really chintzy. Um, So he comes to her place of business again, you know, Mm -hmm. as you do when you're truly, truly in love as you stalk them even at work. Uh, And it's like, hey, what are you doing? She's rejecting him. There's just more deathly banter. But then, hey, oh, my God. There's been a robbery. So the cops like descend on this restaurant and they force everyone to evacuate into the streets Dude, where they're sitting ducks for an armed gunman. This is the most insane part. Okay, this is New York City yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. That one, there's a report of one guy on the loose with a gun. They send the entire fucking force out. Like yes. SWAT divisions. It's like it's one guy with a gun in New York City in the 80s. They it's were a like, robbery. He hasn't murdered anyone. Yeah, this no. It's a robbery. Exactly. And he has a gun. They send everyone out and they just basically, it's like, seems like you're pretty safe just staying indoors. Yeah. But like, no, everyone get out on the street. This you is know, a bit of overkill. He, he's, uh, he'll get a much better shot at you. They have you know, guys up on the, on the roof with AK 47s. Right? Sniper. It's just crazy. Um, so this masked man with a gun has Debbie, but the cop says no. Like he'll kill her if you you stay. Like so, Zach leaves, uh, goes back outside with the cops. This takes forever. This uh, say so the 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 main cop is played by a guy I don't know who he is, but he plays a cop. If oh he yeah, met, he's always a cop. He's yeah. just one of those always a cop guys. He's the guy who works with Arnold Schwarzenegger at the beginning of Total Recall. Yeah, like, don't fuck with your brain. Yes, he's that guy. Okay, yeah. I guess he doesn't play a cop there. Good point. <laughs> but he's usually a cop. If you see yeah. this guy, you think cop. He keeps yelling. <laughs> There's like they've set up a, a strip of tape, a police do not cross <laughs> strip of tape, and he keeps going like, back behind the barricade. Get back behind the barricade. They're standing like two feet away from him. It's like, don't call it a barricade. It's uh-uh. a strip of tape. It's not a force field. Yeah. It will not stop bullets. The bullets will hit the tape and go through, or more likely, they'll go over below and just hit everyone. <laughs> the barricade is like two feet from behind yes. where these cops are like <laughs> behind police cars with guns. Like they've got barricades. That's the car. The car is your barricade. <laughs> There's no bar- that tape's not a barricade, but they act like you're fine. Just stay behind the barricade. Uh-huh. When he starts shooting wildly, the tape will do its job. <laughs> Stop calling it a barricade. So the situation's getting tense. The the gunman has dragged Debbie up to the roof yeah, for some reason. Somehow. Not, not a good call there. And somehow they know that. They know that. They just they they're able to follow all of his actions, even though they can't see him. Uh the clock now is ticking down to midnight. We even hear some kind of clouds, you know, right. like storm clouds rumbling in the distance of so the great flood. It's on its way. The Zach makes his move. Zach's like, can't can't stand no more. So he basically he just scales this building like Spider Man. Like yeah. he just like boom leaps boom blah, 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 just clambers up, um, up to the uh, top of the building on the rooftop where the mass. He inherently man is. knows how to get up to the roof of this building. He just knows, yeah. And the, he see the mass man is still holding Debbie at gunpoint. So he has her, got a gun to her head. 
Big fight. Oh, big fight between Zack and the gunman. They're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting. Zack almost falls off the building. He's hanging on just for dear life. Pulls himself back up. The gunman is about to shoot Debbie dead. And Zack leaps in front of the bullet. Takes one in the heart to save her life. The gunman's boom, 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 boom. They shoot. Uh, the cops, boom, boom, boom. They shoot the gunman. Again, the cops see him take off, go into the building. And then they're like, oh, well, we're helpless now. We have no, we have literally, we're the police. We can't stop this man. There's one man with a gun in there. We have 30 of us out right. here with a gun. Perfectly can't, positioned. There's yeah, nothing, nothing we can do. Nothing to do until he shoots Zach. And then until he murders just, somebody. Boom, 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 boom. They take him down. So Zach's dying. Debbie is grieving. She says that she loves him, but he's fine. He's fine. He wakes up. It's inexplicable. The bullet just nothing happened he doesn't get it there's no flood and who was behind it who was the masked man the whole time it was the devil right so he, he switched it the around good guy used his trickery to get them together so why did he fight so hard because like he almost like kind of fucked that up by throwing him off of the fucking building like it's just you know what i mean like yeah take a dive dude come on <laughs> Um, but I'm the devil. I don't take a dive. So uh, everyone's. Fine. I mean, there's a lot fine. of moving parts to that plan. You had Ooh. to. He had to figure out exactly how the police would respond. Yeah. And get their stuff in the way at the exact moment that Zach would then attack and go up the building. <laughs> Seemed like an easier way to do that. Oh, you'd think so. You'd, you'd think, think so, right? Um, but it's fine. Everyone's fine. Uh, there's no flood. Humanity is saved. And Zach carries Debbie outside to a cheering crowd and they kiss. Angel Charles Durning finds a book of Shakespeare on the ground because uh, God had been admonishing people, uh, the angels earlier, because they, they didn't get his uh, Shakespeare quotes. Uh, he finds this book on the ground. He tosses it to Zach, who says, do I know you? And Durning says, of course you do. To which Zach says, God, this has been a crazy week. <laughs> and Debbie says, same here. They walk away, look back at the camera, freeze frame. Freeze frame. The end. Woo. Longest wow. 87 minutes of my fucking life. Oh, my God. That's your movie. I mean, there's just nothing to it. There's no. nothing there, man. This movie is a big, fat, nothing burger covered in nothing jack cheese on a <laughs> Fresh baked nothing bun with, with nothing fries and a side of house made nothing sauce for dipping. It, it's nothing <laughs> to this fucking movie. Nothing. But that's it. That's your movie. It's two of a kind. Corky. Yeah. Final thoughts before we banish this film to the land of wind and shadows. Final thoughts. I could have stood a little bit of more makeout scenes. I could have watched some of that. More makeout scenes. Or her in those jeans on that on that date on the boat. She's, she's take, got some yeah. like skin tight Calvin's on. Really, really, really skin tight. Uh I dug it. That that should have been the movie, right there. That's it. Just uh, her on a boat wearing jeans, but it wasn't. It was other things. So <laughs> that's your movie. Just to remind everybody about our ratings, run of the mill bad film, it's a dare. Next level bad is a double dare, and a movie we actually like is a reverse dare. Corky, what do you give two of a kind? That's a double dare. This is was a painful goddamn oh movie. It's a real story. And uh, it's shot like a TV show. Uh, it's got good people in it, but no, yeah. they're bored, man. They're they are bad. so no, damn bored. They could not care less. 
Uh, I've never heard of this writer director, and I, I'm not surprised why. This movie was so hard to find. We had yeah. to buy DVDs. That's only like the second time we've ever had it. Third time we've ever had to do that. Yeah, I think uh, Genghis Khan and um, Dancing. It's on. Dancing. It's on. Right. Yeah. That's how bad this fucking movie is, man. Dancing. It's on. Genghis Khan. Two of a con. <laughs> two of a, it's two of a con. And I tell uh, you what, Genghis Khan more likable. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, he ate babies, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> no, this movie is just—it's two it's of a kind. Is they, they're t- yeah, two double dares of a kind. That's what it is. Yeah, double dare all the way. Never see it. Uh, don't torture yourself like that. But hopefully, we gave you a sense of the film. Yeah, so that you can kind of carry it in your heart forever. As good as Travolta and Olivia Newton-John were in Greece, as much mm. chemistry as they obviously have, this movie sucked the life out of anything that they could have done together. Truly, truly, yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, again, her run of top ten singles ended with this movie. John Travolta, next movie he made was Perfect, which was another dud. Yeah. And I mean, by the end of the decade, he was, you know, he was on like, um, you know, those uh, those game shows where stars, you know, do uh, pool yeah. games and stuff like that. When we were kids, he was kind of a Battle joke of by the then. Stars or so. Oh, yeah, he was an absolute joke. Yeah. yeah it took, the only uh, thing Quentin he had Tarantino. was. Look who's talking was like one minor hit, and it, that wasn't like a his vehicle. It was more no. Christy and if anything, boost. that was like a um, boy. You've hit a low. You've hit a low point because yeah. even even this one you know semi like likable movie that you made has a really stupid gimmick at its center, and you're going to make two sequels that are just absolutely brutal. Exactly. So yeah, he was a he was a punchline uh, until Travolta you know reignited his career, and then he got it going again. And you know what? Now he's punchline again. It all comes around. Oh yeah, he was like I remember. I knew he was going to be a punchline. Sorry, this is Travolta, so we'll talk a little bit about it. But when I uh, he did he did Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. and then he did Get Shorty, like two bangers yeah. back to back. And, he's and great when in both of them, and he's great. He's he's fucking talented. Yeah. But when Tarantino revealed that like Travolta wasn't going to take Get Shorty, he's like, oh, I've already done a gangster. He's like, John, do this fucking movie. I've already it's like, done a the fact that he had to be talked into. It, I was like, oh, this guy's. Yeah, Broken Arrow, okay. You're going to do the one bad John Woo movie. Yes, Battlefield Earth. And I mean, now he's just living in the straight to video or straight to streaming um, stuff yep. that we've oh, yeah. kind of reviewed in the past, I mean, a la Poison Rose. Or... And, and we're talking about, like, about shit like then being bad. It's like I'm like Michael, you know, or Phenomenon. It's like, look at the shit now oh, he's doing. Yeah, He's giving us material. A, he's on that four, Bruce Willis level now. Yep. Four years, right? Four years of, of Travolta Timber. Yeah, and you know what? Gotti uh, predated Triple Timber. Gotti ah. was, yeah, so we've done, I guess, nine, nine or ten at this point. So. That's amazing. He is, uh, he is our king, and we bow down before him. The, and I mean, I think we we've said it a million times. If you've never listened to any of our Trouble Timber t- movies, he's a talented man, and he rarely he's starting to, but he rarely would sleepwalk through movies. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he would give you something. He'd make oh, some yeah. weird choices, but he would give you something. I mean, that's kind of like the the truly fascinating thing about um, you know, like a movie like Battlefield Earth, you know, which is yeah. that like as utterly shoddy as it is from start to finish, man. He is just laying it, into it. You know it, what I mean? Like he's really just putting it out there. It's uh, him. Pretty fearlessly. Yeah. Um, wow. All right. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel in Trouble Timber. But we'll be back in two weeks to continue Trouble Timber with a little bit of a surprise for you. Make sure you t- you tune into that one. 
Until then, send your movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on your favorite podcast app. If you want to donate to the show, visit daredaniel.com. Find that donate button. Find support the show in the menu. Either way works. Slip us a 20 when you see us on the street. <laughs> Whatever, man. It's all good. Rob $13,464 dollars We do accept bank. payment in edible sunglasses. Yes, exactly. As do all boat captains. That's just the law of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> We've all read Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Come yes, on. We know about I the edible sunglasses. That was part of pirate's law. It's like they all had to split the <laughs> edible sunglasses evenly. Pirate code says edible sunglass booty, one for each. One yeah. for each. Captain There's doesn't hoard. No class system. <laughs> no class. Corky. Yeah. You're out there. Mm-hmm. You're just you're snacking on sunglasses. Sure. You're feathering your hair. You're uh you got some pads on your shoulders there. You're looking like Kellen Winslow Sr., for God's sakes. Yeah, you got them tight jeans on. What are you doing, man? What are you doing out there? Well, I'm performing at the uh, Strasbourg uh, Trauma <laughs> Acting Center where you just relive the trauma that the most recent trauma you've gone through. Someone demands you export that in front of everybody. Not in a monologue, not channeling it. Just relive it for us. That's great acting. Take your worst moment <laughs> and just Take your most recent worst moment. Make it raw. Yes. I want that to be. I want that raw trauma, baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'll be there, and uh, yeah, I'll be talking about a paper cut I got recently. But seriously, come down to Sacramento Comedy Spot, Saturdays, Fridays, take classes, have fun, see shows. For Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. And I'm Corky McDonald saying, again, there's nothing quotable from this goddamn movie. Mm-mm. No. Listen to the Beatles' reign. Yeah, we're Olivia Newton-John's Twist of Fate. That's a pretty good podcast. Yeah, it's a, it's a good 80, 1983 song. Yeah. Give it a spin. Hey, thank you, John Travolta. You've helped us out a lot with uh, through the years. You meant a lot to us, Johnny. God, Godspeed. <laughs>